yesterday. I was in a I was at the MPA Media Advisory Committee meeting up in Augusta. So I was not I was not here yesterday, so we rescheduled this guest for today, Travis Barrett from CentralMaine.com, due to popular demand. We figured we'd give him one extra day to get ready. To get ready and one extra day to get, you know, annoyed with things. Travis, how are you? Annoyed. Annoyed. <laughs> he was already annoyed See, that I made worked. him switch this. It right? He was, he was having a really busy day today. He had a bunch of stuff going on, and I, I interrupted him from all of that and said, hey, can you call me at 1030? Yeah, fine, whatever. So That's not quite accurate. I didn't, I didn't say it like that. Um, I texted it like that, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I you caught the inflection in the text message. Um, very, I'm very busy. Yes, he's a very he's a very very busy man. You covering soccer yesterday, I believe. Is that where you were at yesterday? Uh, yesterday. Oh my God, I am old. I can't even remember. Yes, yes, I was. I did uh, Mount Blue Marantico boys soccer. How was that? Do you, I like high school soccer. There's there's no there's no stoppage in time. It just goes. It's it's there. It's done in, in under two hours, and you move on with your life. I got a text message from somebody last night who said. Uh, uh, Drew covered the Coney Gardner game, which was a 6.30 start last night. And he sent me a text message at like 9.30, and he said, there is literally no sport that's better to cover on deadline than soccer, because you know when it's going to end. So, yeah, it's pretty much, you know, if it's uh, you know if it's tied, you get a little nervous about, oh, God, please, no overtime. But, no, generally speaking, you can play on it being exactly 90 minutes, and you're out of there. It's great. Um, yeah, I did that. But, I'm, you know, I'm very busy because today I'm uh, – you know, I'm planning the big uh, end of season uh, for the New York Giants party this week. I mean, four days from now, they're going to lose to Houston, and the season's going to be over, and, and we're done. We're, we're on to 2019. Can you explain to me the reasoning in going all in on Eli Manning? Like, what did they see in him that made them think, boy, I think he's got a few good years left? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I, it's funny, because obviously those are the headlines today, or, or for really for the last week, but I think... I think they kind of convinced themselves that with all the injuries they had last year and how quickly that season spiraled out of control, I think they were willing to give him one more shot with everybody. But and I, you know, I know the offensive line is not great, but I just I, I don't know. I just watch him. I, I I really felt it for the first time watching the Dallas game. Like he just doesn't have it, you know. And that and that look in the NFL game, right? Everything is split second, so. You know, that extra split second that it takes you to make a decision or to, to, to make a pass or to get rid of whatever, um, it's a killer in the NFL if you're taking extra time. And I think I just – he doesn't look like he's got it to me at all. He's just It looks awful. It looks – there's no – it's not dynamic. You know, it's funny. Now, we've been – we've gone from Coughlin to uh, McAdoo, now to Shermer, and it's the same thing for the Giants. Like, the offense looks like it's a great school offense. Um, I'm pretty sure the worst high school football teams in Maine run a might run a more dynamic, you know, playset, and so I think that's the issue. It's just it's predictable and it's boring and it's like 1970s football. It's just not good. It's not. It doesn't work today. It doesn't work. I I think the Giants should go full spread. They should have hired Chip Kelly. You know, they should have gone full spread. They could have brought the maybe they could have brought the Oregon Duck signs on the side too, and they could have they could have done the cards. You know. Now you're just rubbing it in. That would have been fun, right? It doesn't look, Travis. It doesn't matter what I rub in about the Giants because you guys beat the Patriots in two Super Bowls. Okay, I remember. Yeah, I remember yeah. well. So, and I remember oh, sure. them. I still remember them. You know, painfully. 
So at this point, it's kind of one of those deals where I'm like, eh, you know, I, I'd like to see them get good again because, frankly, you know, no one really likes the Redskins. Um, I don't want Philadelphia fans to get any sort of confidence yeah, in themselves not. whatsoever. And Cowboys fans, well, I think we all feel the same way about them. Yeah. So, you know, I would rather have the Giants at least be good and then, you know, lose in the playoffs and not make the Super Bowl. I don't want to face the Giants in the Super Bowl. But, you know, I'd like to see them, you know, lose in the playoffs and, and you know, at least win the division. Do something. I want them to be entertaining again, at the very least. And they're not. And I, it, somebody, after they lost Jacksonville in the opener, everybody said to me, oh, realize, Jacksonville's defense is really good. They're playing the Cowboys. The Cowboys are horrible. You'll be fine. And I was like, just wait. Just watch. Just watch. And, you know, sure enough, they're two plays into that game, and they're losing 7 nothing. And, yeah, there's Giants. You know, like, it doesn't matter how bad the other team is. They're going to fall to that level. Like, they just they cannot help themselves. So I just wanted to be mildly entertaining again. That's all I want. There was nothing entertaining about that football game on Sunday night. And even if you were a Cowboys fan, you're lying to yourself if you convinced yourself that that was, A, a good win, or, B, a fun football game to watch. It was terrible. The Monday night Horrible. football game was terrible too. Like it, it we're, I mean, I, I we talked with uh, we uh, we talked with Mike Dusa from Pat's Propaganda on Monday. It, I I said all the time, like it just it looks right now like everybody is in week six of the preseason. Like yeah. there's yeah. no nothing. You know what I mean? I know these games count and it's all great, but it really does. It feels like week six of the preseason. Yeah, that's a good way. That's a good way to put it. I I don't know, but I think it's. Again, we we talked about it. It's that it's it's just to me. It's the NFL product. You know, my my son and I were talking about it at dinner on Saturday night. We were watching college football games at the restaurant, and we were talking about. He's like, "Yeah, I just don't really get into it." I said, oh, "The only problem with college football is you get a lot of blowouts." And he's like, "Well, the NFL can." I said, "Yeah, but I said if you went and you look at scores from every week, you know, just look at all the final scores, because you'll be shocked at how many games are they're just all within ten points of each other. You know, they're just not." I don't know. I, I feel like there's not enough. God, I sound like the old guy screaming at the wall, right? <laughs> just, Which uh, is different from any other week. How? Yeah, no, not really. I know. It's just I feel like you watch the games and nobody thinks outside the box. Everything is follow the leader. Everything is about playing as conservatively as possible so you don't lose. Versus you're like, let's go for it and try to win. And it's just, ah, just disgusting, you know. And I, I think. I think the Jacksonville win over New England gets overplayed. You know, it gets overplayed in New England, obviously. But I think it gets overplayed everywhere. Like Tony Romo, God bless him. He's like, don't you worry. This is going to be your AFC, you know, championship game matchup right here. You're looking at it. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's week two. But the dominating storyline, of course, is Jacksonville went for it. They stayed aggressive. And I'm like, ugh. All right. But at the same time. You know, there's not many teams like New England or like over the years, and there's not many teams like Jacksonville played where they, they kind of go for it at the end. You know, instead of being like, we've got four and a half minutes to go, we're just going to run right up the middle and eat up some clock and get two yards, and then we're going to have to kick, and they're going to have a chance to win at the end, like every NFL game seems to come down to. Like, there's just not enough teams that are willing to be like, heck with you, we do what we do, and we're going for it. Talking with Travis Barrett from CentralMaine.com. Next topic. Next. <laughs> it's true, though. It's but that's does does I don't know what ESPN's business plan is when the Patriots become irrelevant. Like I don't know what happens then. Like what yeah. what happens? 
Oh, man. Oh, boy. They're going to start talking about the Red Sox again. Well, no, I don't know if they're going to do that. Baseball's really... I, I was talking with, with Wing earlier today. Baseball's starting to even lose me a little bit. Oh, Maddie, come on now. Get in therapy. You can't hear that from me. Well, I mean, Aaron Judge goes 0 for 4 last night, and all I hear about is how great he did because he hit the ball hard four times. <laughs> like, hey, I want to know why the Yankees look so ordinary against every other team in baseball, but when they play the Red Sox, Oh my God! You know what they are? They are an. They are an. They are an. Uh, to me, they're an ADD team. They're bored. They're they're the kid that's home for the summer. I'm so bored. I'm I'm so bored. Oh, we're playing Kansas City today. I'm so bored. Oh, we're playing Detroit today. I'm so bored. Oh, we're playing the White Sox. I'm so bored. But then all of a sudden they play the Astros, the Indians, the Red Sox. Oh, hey, let's go. We're fired up. Let's go play. Let's go try. And I. I and I think that is an easy thing for to have happen. I mean, we see. I mean, when you when you were in, when you were uh, when you were administrator, when when you were when you were in the classroom, when you were around kids, when you were coaching, you saw kids like that, right? You had oh, to challenge sure. them. You had to constantly Absolutely. keep giving them things. Yeah. I've got a dog like that right now. I have to give her missions. Like if I don't, her energy will just wind her right up, and then she'll be ridiculous. I've got to like put a backpack on her with a couple of things of water and have her run on the treadmill to wear her out. You know, like Cause you, you got to give her the mission. You hope that by the time they're pros, they know how to push their own and, hot and, button. And that's exactly but. and that's exactly the point. But this is a very young team. There's yeah. not a ton. There's some veteran leadership on that team, but not as much as I think there should be. And I don't think a Brett. I don't know if Brett Gardner's a leader on that team. I don't know how that clubhouse uh, works. Somebody on Twitter said that Sanchez would be a great catcher if he could catch the ball. Yeah, he I, can't I catch the ball. Pretty, he's he's regressed badly three years defensively, and it's like you can't you can't catch the you can't catch a guy. And his bat isn't anything great shakes right now. Like he's a disaster. Like this team made it to Game Seven of the American League Championship Series last year, and honestly, I think what happened was they're like, okay, well. We got to get to the playoffs, and while we're ten games ahead of our, our of where we were last year at this time, or eight incredible? games or whatever it is, which yeah. is even more disgustingly ridiculous, and they're they're bored, so they'll they'll they're going to think that they can turn it on when the playoffs come around, and then when they go to turn that switch on, uh, it turns out that you needed to replace a gauge too because it doesn't oh, work. Yeah. You gotta you gotta stay on it. So I, I don't want Boone to be rewarded. I kind of hope they lose in the one game wild card in embarrassing ridiculous managerial poor decision fashion because i want them to fire him i want them to get somebody who has a brain and he doesn't he looks like he's just sitting there chewing gum all the time he reminds me of john farrell and i used to i used to guys i used to think you were crazy that you wanted john farrell fired with the record that they had but i understand it when you watch the red sox when you watch the red sox last year especially last year you understood it because you could yeah. tell with all the talent on this team, he was actually holding them back from being better. Yeah. And I feel like Aaron Boone is doing the same thing with the Yankees right yeah. now. Yeah. Right. I, I agree with that. <laughs> and I don't think it's crazy. Oh, you've won 90 games. Yeah, oh, you've won 90 games. The league yeah. sucks. If you don't win 90 games this year, you should be relegated to AAA. Yeah, it's, it's true. In some ways, it's true. And I thought in the middle of the year, I thought, yeah, it's kind of a convenient storyline it's a convenient argument because it's easy but um but the more and more you look at it and, and we you know we started talking about it in june and july about how it's going to come down to the same team we already know who they are you know it's the red sox it's the indians it's the astros it's the yankees and you know good for the a's right like the a's have played well and um they're adorable story and you know they'll even if they don't beat the yankees okay like, this isn't going to make anything else go crazy, right? There's not right. going to be... 
Like right. this isn't this isn't good. There's not going to be Moneyball two's not going to be made. Like for as great as Oakland has been over the last you know couple decades since the Moneyball thing came out, they've won nothing. No, that's right. Yeah. I mean, does anybody really? Th- I said last night to Bill before he left the office. I said, you know, in my mind, the Red Sox and Yankees are playing in that division series. There's, there's no part of me that thinks the A's are going to pull that off. And and I and you know, all the issues that the Yankees have, and but it doesn't it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's still I look at who the you know who the A's are going to have to throw out there as their starter in that game. There's no part of me, no matter where they play that game, that thinks. The Yankees aren't winning that game because you're two two run homers away from it being over. You know, four nothing. Thanks for coming. Game's over. Um, so I, I just I think it's no matter what it's these same four teams. So my point is when we measure the it, you know the Red Sox who have won a hundred games for the first time since the forties. You know, we're still not measuring them as we're still measuring them against the Astros and the Indians and to, and to a great extent the Yankees and. Yeah. Last night, it's like, here they go. You get a great start from Vivaldi. You bring in Workman for the seventh, walks the leadoff guy, gets a pop-up, walks the third guy. Boom, three-run homer, ball game's over. So the same problems you had all year with your bullpen shows up every time you play good teams. And that's the problem. And that's how we're measuring these teams right now, especially now. Especially now that we're into the last two weeks of the season. Your, your issues are your issues. So... And we're not worried about whether or not Tampa's going to catch you or whether or not you're going to win or lose a series against the Blue Jays. We're worried now about, oh, God, which of these guys do you trust when you get to the playoffs? I don't know who you trust coming yeah. out of the bullpen Thank right you now. Thank you very much. And you can't, you yeah. can't trust. Craig Kimbrell cannot play the Andrew Miller role for you because nope. he's not comfortable no. doing it. No. Nope. Period. Queen inning, ninth inning. That's it. <clears throat> that's it. That's it. That's your only – and I said that to you guys last week. That's a problem for him. Like, you can't go – like, we were joking last night, like, when you get those two guys on um, in, your, in the seventh there, and you're thinking, how about just get Kimbrell right now? Let's just see if he can do it. Because what does it matter, right? So let's say you pitch him yeah. in the third inning Good tonight, point. and he can't pitch for another week. Who cares? Let's just see if he can do it. And we and, and I say that, and we literally start laughing before you can finish the set because you know there's no chance of that. <laughs> I said before you came on, Travis, I think – Stephen Wright's their best bullpen guy, I swear. Gosh. And, and so do you, and, and some great example of, we were, so last night, because, you know, we, this is how we think, we are go through, okay, who's your 12-man pitching staff for the, for the playoffs, right? Yeah. And you go through, and it's like, <laughs> at one point, we're like, okay, make sure you write that list in pencil, because let's see what all these guys do. And so Workman comes out, like, okay, cross him off the list. You can't yeah. cross him. And so you go back to Stephen Wright, and you go, do you trust him, though? Can you bring him yeah. with two guys on and one out? That's what I said before, too. Holy smokes, you know? Well, he hasn't. He didn't find his knuckleball, you know, for... It took him two-thirds of an inning to find his knuckleball. In the meantime, he gave up, you know, a double and a three-run homer. And so you you lost. But you know what? He pitched really great for those last two innings he was in. She, like, they're just... They're I don't flawed. Know, I, I, I get, maybe it's because it's, now that we've talked about it all summer... Get, let's just get to the playoffs. Maybe now that it's here, my panic has started to set in. But I, I look at that bullpen, and with Joe Kelly warming up, and you go, oh, God, they've given up. That's your, that's your gut reaction. <laughs> well, this game's over. We're chalking this one up. We'll go get them tomorrow. Like, I can't let you and Maddie be in the same room when it's this time of year because you're both nuts. Uh, no but I don't even think it's a nuts thing. It's like. No, it's reality. It's reality. And, and people yeah. get so 
pissed at you for being real. They get so mad. Oh, yeah, you're just yeah. an a-hole. My wife oh, keeps saying, just, stop yelling at the me, TV. Me, me. <laughs> no, I've watched this movie before, okay? Multiple yeah. ways, different characters. If you don't have somebody that can come out of that bullpen. You know, 2004, the 2004 Red Sox were saved because of Derek Lowe. Oh, Derek Lowe absolutely. still doesn't get enough credit to absolutely. this day for the crap that he did in the 2004 ALCS to get that team game. back on track. Pissing every game, practically. He was huge. And, and kept them just afloat and alive. Yeah. I mean, the guy should never have to buy a thing again, but yet Dave Roberts is the guy that gets all the credit. Yeah. Kurt Schilling gets all the credit. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, those those are the guys that, boy, you look back at those heroes. You know, Kevin Millar gets all the credit because apparently you could drink, and that's cool, before the game. Um, you know, those are the ones. But Derek Lowe, to me, is the guy that if you don't have yeah. Derek Lowe, you don't you don't win that. And, and He was a winning pitcher in all, four, in all three yeah. pitchers. And, yeah. Do you see anyone right now? No. Uh, no one. I see no one who could do what he's doing right now. No one. No None. One. Uh, here's, here's my if, okay. If I'm going to offer a ray of sunshine, I've got two rays of sunshine for Red Sox fans. <laughs> One is I know you can be all upset and worried about, but no matter what, the division's over. Okay, because because the flip side is for all the Red Sox issues, the Yankees have to win out. Okay, it's not going to happen, right? So the division's won. We know that. Right. Here's my second ray of sunshine. I think I think Eovaldi is the guy that's going to surprise you out of the bullpen in the playoffs. That's my, that's my, uh, you know. Travis, you. I just said the same thing. So, you two. And Maddie says, what? I love you. I've seen this. I I love you both. I I love you. I love Travis like, like, uh, like Like a a brother. brother. I love Wing like he's, like he's my, like he's my mom's brother. Okay. Like (laughs) Uncle Dave is here. He didn't dare to say dad. That's kind of how that goes. Okay. But, but here's why. both here's of you why. have fallen into the Nathan Yavaldi trap. I've seen this. It is. I know, he- but here's why. Because <sighs> you're not like last night. We were, we were like last night. The argument was, well, do you? No, you don't consider him as a number four starter. You don't. You got four guys that are better and a pitch better. But you're not asking him. You're not going to be asking him, man alive. We're down. We're down two to one, or we're down three to two, and we got to have this win. And our bullpen's just gas. We need seven innings of two hit ball. Nope. You're asking him to go out and pitch two innings. Like, you got to get us from the fifth to the seventh. God knows what's going to happen when you get to the seventh. But I just have this sneaky feeling that Eovaldi is going to be on this roster and they're going to find a role for him. Because as we know, there's always things in the playoffs, Derek Lowe included, that you just don't see coming that turn out to be huge. I could so, see, you know. I could see Yavaldi being that guy, but I've also... Because people have tried to do that with him out of the bullpen before. He yeah. is another guy. He's a, he's from the that sort of David Price, Craig Kimbrell, creature of habit school. Sure. And he doesn't he doesn't take well to coming out of the bullpen because it it knocks him off his routine. Now it doesn't matter. He Nathan Yavaldi is the is Michael Pineda 2.0. Like he's going to look great for three and a third innings, four and a third innings, and then all of a sudden in the fifth he's going to come out and there's going to be an infield single to third, and then all of a sudden the wheels are going to come off, and you're going to be like, and you're going to be like, what the hell happened? Sure. And, and and I used to watch it all the time. You've seen it even in some of his starts. Now, last night against the Yankees, the Yankees right now are making everybody look really good. Like, they are 26-22 and 22 while Judge was out. I thought that offense was pedestrian at best. 
they made some rookie starters. There's a kid from Toronto that like kept loading the yeah. bases in every inning, and they're like, nah, we're good. I mean, they're up eight to one. They came back to eight to seven, and they still left like 15 runners on base. There is nothing. There is no runner that the Yankees can't still leave on base. That is my concern with them. You have to get those runners in in the playoffs. And they are just, they have no issues swinging at a 3-1 pitch out of the zone since you pop up to first. They have no issues with that. They do not care. ZFG, zero Fs given at the plate. They have no approach. I don't trust Aaron Boone to do anything. They're done. The Red Sox could do it. I mean, if, if if their offense gets hot, but... Whose offense gets hot in the playoffs? We could yeah, I was do- gonna say that's the problem, right? No one. Great run yeah. in the playoffs. Although yeah. the Red Sox Yankee games in the playoffs, when they play the division series, those games are all going to be eleven to nine. We know that, right? <laughs> we could are do you, a whole show on the Red Sox bullpen. Are you prepared for the amount of stories that are going to be written about the length of games involving Red Sox Yankees if they <laughs> do meet in the division series? I've given that whole that whole argument to me is just that's just tired. I, I don't care. I, I don't even care about it. I, it. To me, I think the biggest article, the biggest thing we need to start working on is cutting down the time of high school football games. Amen. Stop Thank stopping you. the clock on incomplete passes with 14 minutes left in the first quarter. Okay. Yeah. Stop yeah. stopping the clock every time someone goes out of bounds. Yep. Cut the crap. Like I covered a two-hour and forty-seven-minute game on Friday night. I was beside myself. Like this is not normal. This is not. This is not okay. So I'm with. You. Oh my god! I was like, I could not even. Wing, how long was your game the oh, other yeah. night? Oh, when well, did you, when we... did you leave Wyndham the other <laughs> evening? <laughs> well, about a, <coughs> let's see. Must have been ten. The game started at seven. It was after ten. After ten, we had an injury uh, that that spent quite a bit of time. But I think I told you I, I get home at five minutes to twelve from Wyndham. From Wyndham's forty forty minutes max. Travis, he had my son was working the um, was working the the sideline video, and he was with Wing, and I was down in Sanford because that was where the other video broadcast was. We were originally going to meet up, do equipment in the morning, etc. It was so late at night, I'm like, hey, where are you? Oh, I'm still in the parking lot. I was able to meet them without any sort of issue at the gray parking lot, at the, at the gray oh. Burger King, to switch out equipment and grab my oh. kit. And I left Sanford conveniently oh. at the parking lot. Oh. Yeah, I was not. I said I want to raise. This but is <laughs> all of. And I'm telling you, there's two things I see, and all the. And the reason I mention this is not because I, I want to. I don't want to be out covering these games. It's not it at all. It's that we talk about player safety, and when you talk about games that things get cold, right? You know, I think of that Wyndham Portland game last year, or that Lawrence or that Lawrence Scowhegan game last oh. year, those regional final games. Why do we want kids out in this weather too long? Whether it's too hot, too cold, too foggy, too whatever, like. Play the game. Let's just adopt what the rules are in college and in the pros for clock stoppages and stop extending the game because teams that throw the ball and don't complete passes, you're going to be there until 10.30 at night, 11 o'clock at night. It's brutal. I thought the uh, the second quarter of the Mount Blue Hammond game on uh, Friday night took 50 minutes. 5-0. Holy. One quarter. Wow. And some of it is now some of it is 
these guys, they, 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 okay, first of all, you, you need to understand that I find that by and large high school football coaches take themselves way too seriously. They are coaching <laughs> like it's the Rose Bowl. They're in an NFL <laughs> Well, and they only it's get eight. Quarter. It's, uh, I don't remember now. It's at least a, tw- it's at least a two touchdown lead for Mount Blue. I think it was 20 to six or something. I think it was. It might have been 27, to, 20 to six. And so, um, they get the ball back. They they line up. They run a play. They call timeout. They call timeout <laughs> with less than ten seconds left in the quarter, so they can run a trap up the middle to run out the clock and get to halftime. <laughs> We're overthinking it here a little bit, people. I don't want to try to. Be, I don't want to be the voice of reason, but you know, you throw an incomplete pass. You call timeout, and then you run out the clock anyway. Here's a thought. Let's let the clock run out. I'm just throwing that out there. Now. <laughs> I want to try that. I'm just, it's all that little stuff. And it's, it's, um, here's another thing that, that, here's another thing that I think nobody ever talks about when we talk about time of game. The amount of abuse that officials are willing to take from coaches and to some extent players and fans field during games about calls. Like, literally 30-second debates on the field about a call and an argument that goes back and forth. They're thinking, no! No! Let's teach, let's teach the game the right way. Let's respect the officiating. I'm not saying those guys are perfect. I'm not saying the calls are all right. But there's no need for us to be on the field for 45 seconds arguing about a call when it happens five or six or seven times in a game. No, there's no need. None! Line up and play! Hold on just a second. I have to play one thing here, okay? Just so I can stay compliant with the Federal Communications Commissions. You're listening to the B-List Daily on Sports Time Maine, AM 780, WTME, Rumford, Mexico, Dixfield. There. Okay. We're good. Kill my momentum. Yeah, no, it was true. Play, line up and play it. Like, the, the Sanford-Oxford Hills game the other night was a perfect, perfect example of this, too. There was... Timeouts here, timeouts everywhere, and then there was one. Uh, the, the, my favorite are the officials' timeouts for no apparent reason. Those are good. The 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 ones that when my favorite was when I would do the games with Haley, and there'd be an officials' timeout, and I thought he was gonna fall out of the chair because he was like, "Come on!" We used to what say, "Uh oh, three officials are getting together to have a conference. This isn't good." Soon as there there's a in, conference in the Chevrolet game Saturday. John Wolfgram was standing on the numbers painted on the field the entire yep. game. Yeah, yeah. I only mentioned a couple times just to kind of jab it in there in case somebody yeah. listened to the game. I mean, come on, guys. Get him on the sideline where he belongs. Where he belongs. Anyway. Um, in fact, you know, but the flip side of that, you know, we talk about him standing on the numbers, and we talk about... I mean, I'm not embellishing the story about the arguments that coaches are willing no. to no. have. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. Shut up and, and coach. I remember a soccer game on Friday afternoon where a coach was given a yellow card because after his team scored a goal, he took literally a step and a half onto the field to try to get his players' attention. Well, you know, the game's not over. we got to play. Here, you drop back. And the ref told him, hey, you need to back up into your coach's box. And he said, oh, I wasn't yelling at you. I'm trying to get their attention. And the referee stopped the clock, and gave him a yellow card for being on the field. Now, that's, that's to me, was the extreme. Like, I don't think we need to go to ex- sports where football coaches want to say whatever they want, berate officials, and the officials 
you know, should be respected, blah, blah, blah. The little, the little statement they read before every basketball game about, you know, please treat your, uh, your opponents and your and coaches and officials with respect. I don't know why it is in high school football that we don't have to have be held to the same standard. I don't get it. Oh, I don't but, get it. Well, high school football is different, though, right? <sighs> don't they want you to believe it? I feel like it. Like I feel like that's exactly what what it is. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. don't. I've never. I've never understood that either. You know, I was. You know, you're down. I'm down on the sidelines now. I've I've managed to extricate myself from the booth uh, for the most part. Yeah. So you know, I'm down on the sidelines, and the stuff that you hear when you're down on the sidelines. I mean, I mean, you winger, you you know what you get when you're up in the booth if somebody's pronouncing a name wrong and they think it's you. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. It's, um, I don't know, there's a, it's a weird, I don't know, I just, there's something about the culture of it that I don't like to begin with. I feel like, I feel like we all do lip service in high school football to the fact that we're teaching these kids the right way, you got to be respectful, and yes, coach, no, sir. But the things that we say to the kids, that the coaches yell at the kids, and the things that are acceptable to me, it, sometimes it just makes me cringe. And, I, and again, it carries all over into the field, it carries over into officials and oh my word there was a they had a timeout during it was like a peewee game there had been a rash of like they had a, a couple of plays earlier there had been some big scrum after a play pushing shoving you know penalty flags personal fouls all that kind of stuff for stuff after the whistle right two plays later one of the coaches asked the referee to go out stop play and tell the kids to cut it out and i'm thinking what and so, literally, the referee goes out, blows, you know, my time, officials time out. He gathers the offensive line and the defensive line together and presumably to tell them, hey, we're going to cut it out. And that had all the kids shake hands. And then we went back to playing. And I'm like, oh, my word. First of all, coach your kids to not act like knuckleheads on the field. But second of all, what are we, third grade football? We're teaching sportsmanship. That's part of the game now. We've got to teach it to them as the game's going on, as a teaching moment. Come on. And we wonder why the games take two hours and fifty minutes. Two hours and fifty minutes? That's a quick one. <laughs> oh yeah. Five zero. Yeah, five zero. Fifty minutes, yeah. No, Twenty to six the other night. Twenty to six and I got out of there at <laughs> as close to ten as humanly possible. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. The only the only reason I even got out of there in any sort of time is I followed Aaron and Tyler out and uh, they were driving home and of course Aaron drives like a bat out of hell, so it worked out great. So meatloaf reference. Yeah. <laughs> I would do anything <laughs> for a game that ended at nine thirty. Like you know, I mean, they want me to get down to TV. They want me to get down to TV by like eleven or eleven fifteen, right? Or eleven yeah, ten. And I'm like trying to get there, and I'm like, I don't. I'm coming from Oxford Hills. Like I gotta, you know, it's not. There's not some quick way to get in there. So no, it, there's no quick way to get there, no. there to anywhere. That's no. true. There is no. There is no quick way. There's none. Oh. So great. So great. So, oh, question. Another question for you. Why is every big race car people, like, I see more and more sponsors that are pulling out and race car things. Somebody's somebody's team is disbanding at the end of the year, too. Like, yeah, we're all over the map today, aren't we? What? Yeah. What is? What is? You're the guy. You're like. You're my racing guy. Like, I've always been casual 
occasional pay attention to what's going on in racing thing because I know if I'm in a social situation, odds are I'm going to have to have a conversation about racing if I'm going to have any sort of sports talk with somebody. That's just usually how it happens here in Maine. So I try to know what's going on so that they somewhat respect me because then maybe they'll ask me about baseball or football and I can talk about that in depth. I understand. I understand. So, yeah, so um, Martin Truex uh, Jr.'s team, and he's the uh, 2017 champion, uh, Furniture Row Racing, they run out of Colorado. Their owner just decided that basically he's done. He's done doing it. And so they've they've had other sponsorship, you know. They've had some Bass Pro Shops, and they've had some, um, what's the other one that they've had a lot of? Five Hour Energy, I think. And so they've, he's off-center, you know, for years. For years, he was his own sponsor. You know, Furniture Row was the sponsor. But anyway, he just decided, like, you know, we won a championship, we won a bunch of races, and I'm done losing money at this thing. So, they're at the end of the year, they're folding. They're folding up shop. And so people are naturally um, concerned because, you know, you win a championship, you wouldn't think that you would be, uh, you'd be done the next, the next year or a year and a half later or whatever. But that's what's happening. And so... Look, it all comes back to the same thing with them. They want they want tens of millions of dollars to run a complete season. Um, companies aren't willing to spend that much, and so more and more, what you've seen is you get teams that have, you know, you have a company that might do, uh, you know, twenty four of the thirty six races or whatever, and then you piece together, you know, three or four races from other companies to try and you know make all the money work. But the bottom line is, it's just gotten. It's gotten so expensive, and, and, you know, the outcry is always NASCAR needs to do more. NASCAR needs to do more to limit costs. But really, the teams are their own worst enemies. I mean, they spend the money on the most ridiculous things. So um, whether it's, you know, hired pit crews that come in just for the races or whether it's, um, you know, the equipment and the testing and the research, and the, I mean, they're going to spend money. They're going to spend money like you can't even – there's no way to police it. You know, there's no – there's no way. And a good local example is the American Canadian Tour, which is, you know, based out of Vermont, runs New England, and they have for years, you know, tried to be the most cost-effective series there is, you know, with, with uh, shocks that can't be tampered with and tires, all of this stuff. But the problem is the teams with the most money still win because they still buy the most of everything. You know, they still buy all the parts and pieces they need to get them through a year. So... It's not NASCAR's fault. It's a race team's fault. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that really, if it doesn't, if it doesn't concern you, it should, was that after the, the Monday race there at Indianapolis, when Denny Hamlin lost the lead late because some cars running for 30th, you know, wrecked, and there was a caution, he lost the lead on the restart, and he, caught, he talks about how, yeah, basically a bunch of meaningless teams cost me a race win. And I'm thinking, that's a problem. If, if your biggest teams and your biggest stars and your biggest drivers feel like there should only be 12 of them out there, then that's a problem. And, and whether he meant it that way or not, that's exactly what he's implying is. These cars that shouldn't even be out here cost me a win. Why don't you all just go home and let the 10 of us race it out for the wins every week? And that's a problem. So that's, a short, that's a short answer for you. How's that? I like that. It's good. I, like that. I just... I, th- I think Davey, Davey Allison and Alan Culwicky rolled over. The- you know why? I've never told this story before. That's part of the reason why I'm not into racing. I literally had two race car drivers, and both of my favorite race car drivers died. Yes. And yes. and not from, like, being on the track. You know what I mean? Right. It was it was from, 
you know, helicopter stuff and whatever, like both of them. Like Davy Allison was my favorite. He died. And then I'm like, all right, what about Alan Kulwicky? Eh, he's gone. I'm like, okay, we're finished. We're good. <laughs> because apparently I'm going to kill everyone. You know, that's what's going to happen. Don't I'm going to like them. They're going to die. for me. Thank you. I was, I was like the black widow of racing stuff, you know, being, of being a racing fan. It's ridiculous. How self-important of you. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I'm a, I didn't know any better. I was in my it's teens at the time. Old. Yeah, oh, I, I used to care because my thing was when I was a kid, I just wanted all the sports, right? And that gap in February after the Super Bowl was just, well, that it hurt. It hurt a lot because there was not, there wasn't anything going on. And it's even worse now because now they do that stupid NBA All-Star game. So you can't even, like, look for a good basketball game. It's... It's NBA All-Star Week festivities that they treat like, you know, WrestleMania light. And you're, like, already done with it at the time. And then they do the hockey stuff right around there, too. The NHL All-Star Game. So that shuts everything down for a weekend. There's no worse thing in the world than the All-Star Game in terms of, like, fan interest to, like, keep your fan guys going. Like, you don't yeah, you want to you want to see teams and, you know, actually playing in countable games. You know, you don't. Agreed. I don't, I don't want anybody, unless they're playing for the Olympics, I don't want my guys playing in these exhibition things because they can get hurt now and they all get hurt they all get hurt in something that doesn't involve what they should be doing i want nothing to do with it nothing nothing angry angry, oh, angry. all the time i'm constantly i agree with you i agree with you i i thought the you know from an nhl side of it like the best thing that they did which is still not a great solution i would rather just get rid of it but the three-on-three tournament at least is interesting you know I had no yeah. patience for the 15 to 12 all-star game where nobody really cares. Right. I like the three-on-three tournament. Right. I think it's a cool little wrinkle. But still, generally speaking, all-star games, I have no use for them. None. I got nothing I got nothing for it. I really yeah. don't. I just, I just don't. Travis what? Barrett from CentralMaine.com joined us. I cut you off. Go ahead. Say your thing. Well, that was it. That was the end of it. That was good? All right. I thought we're so, we're, our chemistry is so good right now that you know when I'm done. Right. All right, there yeah, we go. That's even better. All right, well, I'm well overdue for a commercial break, and I'm sure you're well overdue to hit a pit stop. Yeah. So I will talk yeah. to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Take care, Thank Travis. Thank you. That's Travis Barrett right. from CentralMaine.com. Follow him on Twitter, TBarrettGWC. A lot to unwrap out of that. We'll talk about that coming up here on the B-List Daily from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBR Radio Network. You're listening to the B-List Daily on Sports Time Maine, AM 780, WTME, Rumford, Mexico, Dixfield.